Hey guys, it's Matt. This episode of Table 40 is presented by the Increase Discipleship Handbook. Have you got your copy yet? It's available at theincrease.com and is a great resource to help you along your faith journey. Pro athletes and others, including Leslie and I, are going through this handbook over the next few months. You can get your copy right now at theincrease.com. I know it'll help you in your spiritual journey. Welcome back to another episode of the Table 40 Podcast. Matt and Leslie here today, and we're continuing to work our way through this. No, we're finished. Uh, we are finished with the Discipleship Handbook, so we're going to do an overview of this uh, this little run we had. Yeah, I think what's been really cool, and this was, I'm, I'm excited to do this podcast today because I think when we take this week by week, um, it's awesome. But I, I do think that it's really important to kind of go over the things that we've learned over the last 10 weeks. And first and foremost, I'm I'm so grateful that uh, we've been able to do this together. It's been a lot of fun for us, but also just um, what an opportunity it is um, to be able to journey through a, a piece of curriculum or, or a, like the discipleship handbook was written by the ministry that um, I work for and and we've worked closely with for many, many years. And so this has been such an honor to be able to be a spokesperson, so to speak, for um, a, the Discipleship Handbook. And I, I know that there was lots of um, prayers and, and thoughts going through as they were putting this together. And I think just the point, if we've missed the point along the way, the Discipleship Handbook is exactly that. For those of us that have pledged our allegiance to Christ, um, we have this opportunity that an honor, um, but also sometimes a sacrifice, sometimes a lot of work, sometimes confusing, sometimes full of joy, all of the all of the emotions going into being a disciple of Christ. And and I think that this handbook has given us an opportunity to remind ourselves or reveal for the first time what it is that Christians believe. And um, I know for me, it's been a nice refresher course because there are many things that that um, I forget over the course of my life. And, and I love the opportunity to represent Jesus. And um, I want to be a disciple that goes out and makes disciples. And so this, this has been a gift for me um, and a great reminder in my journey to be more like Jesus. Have you enjoyed learning more? Yeah, I think it's been cool. It's just a kind of a simplistic look at what um, being a Christian looks like. And I think sometimes even the new believers or non-believers or um, even like us, sometimes we complicate things and it's, it's good to kind of just work through this handbook and think about kind of, I guess for me, just kind of put some order into what our life should look like as far as being a Christian. So I, I think it's been good and, and simple and I, th I think it's, it's been fun. Great reminder. Yeah. Great reminder. All right. Chapter one, we talked about a high view of God. Um, and and we've said it over and over and over again about how vital it is for God's character to be correct. Um, if we don't have a high view of God, then I think one of the, I, I would say like, without a high view of God, I believe the worst thing that could happen is we have a low view of the love of God. What would you say about that? I think it's so important to understand the character and nature of God. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, Obviously, that's why it's chapter one. When you talk about the high view of God, is is sort of sets the stage for the rest of your how you even look at your life or 
the world in general and how it was created if you don't look at a high view of god and have the right high view of god it, it distorts so many things in our brain about what we think about god what we think about other people what we think about this world you know our happiness here or you know sort of living in this world understanding all those things or how we got to where we got with suffering and how i mean the high view of god is chapter one for a reason yeah, I agree. And I think that um, we have this big God that's in the center of everything and why it's so important, again, just to reiterate why we need to really focus on the character of, of, of God from Genesis to Revelation is I think that we have to understand that that God is holy and we are not and, and he is without limits. And we, of course, have lots of limits. And I and I think like this, this really good understanding, a really good non-negotiable of this holy high view of God will help us understand that it is possible for him to love a sinner like us. And I think oftentimes we do this thing where we compare God to, to us. Um, and, and we, I, I think that when we do that, uh, it's, it's just such, it'll stunt our growth as Christian men and women, because in order to understand that it's possible for a holy God to send his son, Jesus Christ, and, and, um, for us because he loved us so very much. I think that those things go hand in hand. We have to have this high view of God and understanding of the character of God so that we can understand how loved we are. And if we don't get the high view of God right, then then we have this low view of how God's going to love us. You see what I'm saying? Like, I, I think I might have made that a little bit confusing, but it's just so vital to to have that be the first layer of the foundation is that God is not like us. He's holy and different and without limits. And, um, and Tozer says like what a person thinks about God is, is ultimately what's most important. And I'm paraphrasing his wisdom, but I, I agree with A.W. Tozer when he says that it's just so vital to our faith. It's what we build upon. Um, chapter two was made in God's image. Um, I love chapter two. I love thinking about being made in the image of God. And in Genesis one and two, we see God's design and we see that the Holy Spirit breathes life into us. And we've been made in the image of God, We're image bearers. And, and we have this opportunity to reflect the image of God for those of us that are that are in Christ. But every single person is um, bears the image of God. And so I think that that changes the way we interact with with um, men and women in our sphere of influence. I think when we understand that we've been made in the image of God, um, that maybe we look at people a little bit differently. We, we, if we want to pattern our life after Christ, um, we can see that every man and every woman and every child is made in the image of God. And so we want to see them, we want to love them, and, and we want to know them. And, and if we're going to pattern our life after Christ, if we're going to be a disciple that makes disciples, that's exactly what Jesus did. And Jesus understood um, chapter two, that we've been made in the image of God. And I think I remember when we did this weeks ago, something that I've always admired about your career and your personality is that you do a very good job of getting to know people and you see people and you love people really well. And I think that for any of you that are in a clubhouse, I would like for you to spend like a couple minutes talking about that because it's just so important if you're going to be a good teammate, if you're going to be a coach, um, man, you've got to acknowledge that, that even the, the tough people or the people that you don't seem to have a lot in common with are made in the image of God. They're image bearers. I, I think we, we talked about this at the conference and the hitters pitchers meeting, but I think when you talk about 
clubhouse cohesiveness or being a good teammate or getting to know your teammates you can't stay in clicks you can't stay with the people that you're like you can't just hang out with the people that you identify with or that you're at the same place in the life with because the clubhouse can get very clicky at times and people just want to spend time or, or they just stick to the people that they're comfortable with and for a team to really be a cohesive group that has a fun together and by the end of the season um, they have a bond that helps them win games. I think it's it's imperative to get to know your teammates, all of them, and and to look at them and made in God's image. If that helps you to 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 urge you to go talk to somebody who maybe doesn't speak great English, or maybe isn't like you, or is maybe a lot older than you, or maybe a lot younger than you, um, I, th I think that that's something that in the clubhouse, if you get a chance to be one of the people that brings the clicks together to create one group it is worth it and it's something that um i found in my career that those teams where people are willing to get out of their comfort zone and go eat hang out go jump into other people's worlds it it starts to create a a, a bond that is memorable that that creates memories it creates a relationship and a team that you're you're happy to be part of yeah, and something that we've done too, and, and we'll move on to chapter three, but we've talked a little bit about marriage and parenting. And I think this is a great chapter to to reread and, and go back through and think about our kids. And, and something that I've prayed through over the last, oh my gosh, I would say, I mean, Jackson will be 19 soon, but I would say for the last 15 years, I've been pretty consistent about praying like, Lord, um, you knit these kiddos together in my womb and they're fearfully and wonderfully made. Please reveal to me um, their gifts and and their and and the things that that I can help with with God's obvious um, direction. Like, how can I help mature these gifts that you've given my boys and and my sweet daughter? And so I think that that all of us can submit um, to the truth that that these kiddos that God's given us have been made in God's image as well. And so that's a prayer that, as a mama of four, that that's something that I've been praying very consistently for my kids. And so I, I just thought I would share that with y'all this evening. Um, chapter three is knowing the heart of God. This is probably my favorite chapter. Cause again, like this high view of God, the character of God, um, the, the just, Oh, how he loves us is, is very much revealed in chapter three. And so I, I think that one thing that we talked about um, in this podcast, but for sure on our Bible study with, with the college young men and women is we talked about the heart of God and that that Jesus Christ is fully man, fully God, and, and represents the heart of God that walked this earth. And we talked about how, how Jesus was always was in the middle of the mess and that he would enter spaces. We've talked about the Samaritan woman and just the beauty of the posture of Jesus and that he had to go there and he met with this woman and he sat down and he visited with her and he allowed her to share the parts of her story that caused a lot of shame. And and then he restored her dignity and, and she ran down to the to the city that she was running from because of this encounter with Christ. And we talked a lot about the prodigal son and that that God consistently is for the one and the heart of God is is for the one. And there's this aggressive pursuit for for the heart that's wandered. And um, and we talked I, I remember us talking about the lost one. We talked about the lost coin, the lost son. Um, remember, and it was it was uh, a really sweet week to be able to to sort of talk about 
the heart of God. And I think those of us that um, are wavering in our faith, those of us that have felt far away from the Lord, I really encourage you to go back and listen to chapter three. Um, the book that I know we talked about was a book um, called Gentle and Lowly, and it's a great book. And so if this is something you're struggling with, I, I do want to point you to that book as well, because understanding the heart of God is is really beautiful and it can be a place of healing, I believe. Yeah, I think the the one that we talked about, you know, we talked about the prodigal son, about how religion hates that. Yes. And how we talked about the heart of God is is not religion and it is not um it's not the Pharisees and the way that they looked at God and how God they wanted to obey all the rules and be blessed. And really knowing the heart of God is is all these, you know, that's why he gives us these stories of the prodigal son and um and that's just to me those are the a good reminder of you know god gives us these stories to reveal himself to us and it's not the the uh we can earn it by how how good we are or how you know how much we memorize or you know a lot of the the things that the 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 pharisees wanted it to be about god's saying no it's not about that Mm -hmm. it's this inside out transformation Mm -hmm. and um i i love i love studying the heart of God. And, and, and I love that scripture reveals some of that to us. Chapter four is the problem of sin. And, and we talked a lot about sin being rooted in the heart. It separates us from God. We can understand that very clearly in our relationships. When we talk marriage and we talk parenting. Um, if Matt and I've sinned against one another, there is this natural separation that occurs in our marriage until there's there's repentance and the I'm sorry's and, and Matt says he's sorry. And, and we can kind of get things back together. But I do think that, that uh, yeah, that was a joke, but I have a cold. And so like my, my voice tone hasn't really changed. A whole lot. I was like, I don't yeah. You probably just slid in there because I, I have like a cold, but anyway, but the problem of sin is just that, that is rooted in our hearts. Um, it, we get into this habit of serving ourselves and, and we, and, and it, it just is, is a mess. And the problem of sin is where we're missing the mark. And I think all of us are very familiar with the problem of sin. But ultimately, the thing that's so difficult about sin is the separation between a holy, loving God and, and his creation. But I'm so grateful that for God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus and that we can run to Jesus and we can ask for forgiveness and, and um, we can start again. And so I don't remember who it is, but I read a quote once. I think it might have been Brad Pitt. I don't know. But he was talking about, and a great theologian, theologian, Brad Pitt, but he was talking about, yeah, we all make mistakes, but what's your next step? And I think that Brad is, and I botched the quote, of course. Yeah, I did, Brad. So not my friend, Brad Pitt, Pitt says that it's about what's next. And I do think that that's true in Christianity as well. And so, so many of us, when we go through uh, our life and and we commit sins, there's just sort of this thing that goes on, I think, in, in some of our hearts where we're like, well, now what? Am I disqualified? Or now what? God can't possibly love me. Well, again, go back to chapter one, go back to chapter four or back to chapter three. And um, yeah, man, you're so loved. And it's it's what do we do next? And I and I pray that we're starting to learn that our next step is is to just run to Jesus and and say, look, I've I've sinned against you, I've sinned against whoever it is, and uh, please forgive me. And I, I think that that's the beautiful part of Christianity. The problem of sin, oftentimes, is that we don't trust 
uh, what Jesus says is true. And we don't trust that our sins have truly been forgiven. And so anything about that? No, I just think that like the problem of sin, like when we sin against God is and how it destroys our souls and it just like eats away at, at, I don't know. I just think that it's, it's, um, yeah, sin is difficult, but I think it's, it's one of those things where, you know, that sin in our life is, is, uh, is, is obviously forgiven. But I think when we, when we just use that grace without change, that sin just eats at us mm -hmm. and eats away at our soul. When you talk about the problem of sin, and I, when I think about the problem of sin, I think about what it does to us. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it's just a separation, mm -hmm. a guilt, a shame. Um, and for those of us that in Christ are, we have this opportunity to confidently go to the throne and, and ask for forgiveness and, and start on our way of healing. And again, like this is not in, in the book, but I think as, as we really start to ruthlessly evaluate our lives and we see areas of our life where there is consistent sin, we have to do a better job as the body of Christ to walk with people in struggle, but also reach out for help in struggle. Like none of us should in isolation suffer with habitual sin in our life. Like we just shouldn't do that. And that's not um, good for anybody. And I think if, 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 I mean, I so appreciate our marriage and the fact that I can come to you and say, Hey, I need accountability in this area. And I believe that you do the same with me, but I, we, I also have some really good friends um, that, that hold me accountable. And so I, I do want to encourage that you just never, ever, ever uh, suffer in silence. And so if there's something that, that is tripping you up and, and all that like pretty consistently in our, in your life, I really want to encourage you to get involved in a local church, get involved in a life group or a small group, or or really or or pray for a buddy if you don't have one. And God's always faithful to answer that prayer. And so I think we need to lock arms and and move from a place of darkness into light and and start and start being more confident that you can say, um, I'm a sinner, because guess what? We all are. And so I, I think that that's something that is also a problem is it makes us feel alone and isolated and and that's absolutely not the truth. So we went on to chapter five and we get to talk about God's grace and God's grace is, um, I heard this one time, it says God's riches at Christ's expense. Um, and I, I think I'm going to repeat that God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's exactly what grace is. And Ephesians one and two talks a lot about grace. I recommend that you go back and read that and just meditate in those words that Paul Paul writes in Ephesians 1 and 2. And it says that he lavishes grace upon us. And, and we talk about our salvation and, and grace is a, a big part of that. It says by faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone, we are able to receive salvation from the Lord. And, and um, grace is, um, we're not going to go on and on about it because it's a topic I could talk about forever and ever because I'm so amazed by God's grace. We've talked about how God's grace is, is offensive, but we marvel at it all at the same time. It's offensive because none of us deserve it. And um, oftentimes because we live where we live, we believe that there should be conditions that apply to grace. But God says, no, um, that's not that's not how this works. And God's grace is beautiful. It's a mystery. I'm so grateful for it. And I want to imitate that in my life. I want to be a person that 
um, is a person that freely gives grace to those that may not deserve it in my life. And especially when you talk about parenting, you talk about marriage, there's an opportunity to practice the kind of grace that God gives us in our homes and in the walls of our homes. We have an opportunity to extend grace to uh, our kiddos and to our spouses sometimes when it's hard. Yeah, I agree with that. I think when you talk about God's grace, you're talking about, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's an opportunity to extend it every day because we need it every day. And I think that that's a good reminder when you talk about sometimes we're we're less willing to give grace, but then when we remember how bad we we need grace, it, and it goes back to the whole like, and I know this, but like the Jeffrey Dahmer thing, if he gave his life to Christ, like God's grace covers that mm -hmm. and just and it's like, so offensive yeah it's just so like, offensive it covers yeah and so it's sometimes we as humans we can't wrap our mind around god's grace and you know like where i'm at on it right now just like november 21st 2022 i don't understand grace like i should but if but i'm not i don't have to like, I don't have to, I'm supposed to be obedient to what God asked me to do. And so in the, in the relationships that I have, my, my responsibility, because of everything that Jesus Christ did for me, my responsibility is to love, to love so authentically that I want to delve out grace to the people in my circle of influence. Do you see what I'm saying? And it's like, I, I think that, that that's an honor and a responsibility to be able to serve like Jesus Christ did to the best of my ability. And when I can't do it well, I know I can go to the Lord and say, please help me in my unbelief in this area. Please help me in my insufficiency in this area. But I want to be a woman that patterns my life after Jesus. And so patterning my life after Jesus means that I need to have buckets full of grace for the people that are in my my sphere of influence. And um, and it's that's a that's a hard road, but it's a good road. And I've found a lot of joy um, in the last couple of years being able to look for ways to extend grace to people that, you know, I may not have extended it to five or six years ago. Um, we move on to the new identity of believers in chapter seven, the new life of the believer. Those two chapters go together very well. And, and it talks about this this new identity of believers are people that are going to believe in the increase and, and where Jesus increases in our life and in our self starts to decrease. And so the things that would motivate us prior to becoming a believer in Jesus, maybe not motivate us as much anymore. And what I mean by that is this like self, a self-reliance and self-motivation. Now we start to look more towards what does Jesus have for our life and, and what does it look like to be a follower of, of Jesus that is identifying ourselves as a woman that is in Christ and a man that is in Christ. We talked about baptism um and we were in church not too long ago and they had baptism sunday and and i just was real emotional when i saw the men and the women like choosing to uh surrender their life to jesus christ and they go into the water they come out they take their first breath and they are claiming to be like from this breath forward i am claiming that my life is going to be in christ and and i've had a bunch of babies and so it made me think of, of delivering those babies and they take their first breath out of the womb and man, their life is different from that first breath on. And so my prayer is for, for those of us that, um, that are living this life and we're pledging our allegiance to Jesus. And we're saying like, no, my life, 
I am in Christ. I pray that as we take these breaths that are amazing gift from the Lord, um, and he knows how many we're going to take, but I pray that as we, as we take these breaths, we, we start to say, no, my identity is a daughter of the King and, and I'm going to live for Jesus. And, um, we can be empowered to do that in chapter seven. We talk a lot about the Holy spirit and how the Holy spirit connects us to Jesus. It connects us to God. And the Holy spirit is like, a, we plug it in and it's uh, the presence of God that indwells in us because of our new life in Christ. And, um, I think chapter six and chapter seven go beautifully together. Um, Anything you would like to add to that? No, I mean, I, I guess when you talk about the the difference between identity and life, the new life, um, I don't know. I just want to think about that. I think about your identity is is from the world to, I guess to 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 heaven where things like you you want to store your treasure in a totally different place, and you go from your identity being like how much can I gain out of this world to how much can I store in heaven? And I think that that, that transformation sometimes, you know, is, is so cool to watch. And I always wonder, like, it's just cool. Like, what is it about baptism that like wells up in us that, you know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of a kiddie pool and people just, you know what I mean? But when you think about the transformation of their life and what that looks like, it, it makes you emotional every time. Mm -hmm. And God has placed that in us. Mm -hmm. But when you look at it like, okay, it's just a kiddie pool. It's just water. Well, it's the Holy Spirit. Like I know, but yeah. I'm just saying like that God placed that in us to make us because it's it shouldn't be that emotional unless it, it is a complete life change. I think it is. And I think like weddings make me cry. Baptisms makes me cry. And of course, funerals make me cry. And all of those three things represent what was and what is, you know what I'm saying? And like what was this old, like, again, Ephesians, I love Ephesians. And, um, but what was is like, like Christianity can be a, a simple sentence for Christianity is Jesus Christ has the power to raise dead things to life. Mm -hmm. And baptism is a dead man going into the pool and being raised to life in Christ and them claiming before they get in that water, I am in, I'm pledging my allegiance to Jesus. And I believe that he is my everything. And it is emotional. Like you watch these people and you're like, oh, and then you start thinking, oh, that's my family. Those are my, I'm going to be, I'm going to spend eternity with those people. And it's just so beautiful to, to surround fellow believers and to say like, no, I once was this, now I'm this. And, and the same is true in marriage. Marriage makes me cry every single time. I once was Leslie Ann Smith. And now I'm Leslie Ann Holiday. The minute I say those vows and, and the and the two become one in baptism, like you're united with, yeah, with Jesus. That's ridiculous. And so then like funerals are the same way for those like funerals of believers. Oh, my word. Like, yes, I, I grieve the loss of the person, but it's, it's, the, <clears throat> it's this beautiful thing that happens in my heart where I'm like, Oh my word. Like today they got to see the face of Jesus Christ. And so what was like, I once was here broken, but now I'm, I'm fully restored and I get to see the man I've been dreaming to see my whole entire life. And then that person gets to say like, it was all real. And to me, like, those are the things that, that make me weep is, is the, I once was stuff, mm -hmm. you know, it's wild. I love it. I get fired up. Um, all right. Eight chapter eight, the greatest commandment, love the Lord with everything you have and love others. 
and um, it's hard to do, cannot be accomplished without the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, cannot be accomplished with a great understanding of grace, cannot be accomplished without understanding that sin is a problem and it's a product of the fall. It cannot be accomplished without knowing the heart of God or understanding that we're made in the image of God or that we have this high view of God and we don't ever, ever underestimate the love that God has for for all people. And if Jesus Christ says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all that you have and love others, then I suggest we do that. And it's very difficult and there has to be a mindset that we prepare for in some circles, but it need, it's a it's a good it's a good journey and um it's a it's a good fight so to speak. And um would you agree? Yeah, I mean I think it's just like waking up with a mission to love others. Yeah. Like you know, it's like a mindset of because it doesn't come natural. No, gosh, no. Yeah. We're we're such conditional people. Yeah. You know, we're so conditional. And um, and Jesus is saying, I need you to be unconditional. But again, like the only way we can do it, the only way we can do it is the presence of God in us. And and then having such a small view of self, right? And so I think that I think, and like you said, this mission mindset, like I'm with Jesus, I am in Christ. I'm gonna make it my mission today to do what he asked me to do. And this is what he asked me to do is root deep, love him, and then love those that he made. And um, it's, a, it's an honor to live like that and a challenge. Um, chapter nine, another challenge is being refined through trials and all of us suffer. Every single, every single one of us uh, that have breath are going to suffer. And the beautiful thing about suffering with a Christian is that we suffer in hope. And um, I, I think that, again, this was a tough this was a tough chapter because the various trials that James talks about are exactly that. And, and they're, they're various things like being stuck in traffic for a really long time is a trial. Um, but also the death of a loved one, of course, is an, is an incredible trial that, that has to have faithful endurance, you know? And, and I think the beautiful thing is we serve a God that told us like he's a good father and he told us what to expect. And he told us that in this world, you will have trials, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And I think take heart means just hold on, you know, hold on. And again, like reach out to your people. Do not do this alone and understand that like our trials that we go through um, are, are an opportunity to refine us. And they're also an opportunity to identify where we've placed our hope and where we've placed our trust. And I think um, I learned through a season of suffering that the, the firm foundation that I was building my life on uh, proved to not be so, so firm. And, um, and it was an opportunity for me as I experienced trials to kind of relocate like where I'm building my life and, and, um, and, and, under, and help me build my life upon the rock, meaning, you know, Jesus in scripture and keep my eyes up and understand that I have this hope for eternity. And so is there anything you would you add know, like being that, refined through trials? That's just like the hardest one to go through. You know, I mean, people, it's just hard for, for, you know, I mean, nobody likes trials and nobody wants to talk about them. And, but I think the, you know, just having that, like you said, having that foundation to, to build your life on, uh, it doesn't make trials any easier, but it does help us to, like you said, to get through them, to, to have people around you to help you get through them. But, um, that's not an easy one. No, no, it's not. And we talked about faith 
and like jumping into the arms of 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 Jesus essentially and like faith in Christ and um and again like chapter nine we find through trials like we discuss it in depth and um but that's basically the overview for sure and they're not easy to go through um we're all going to go through difficult things in life and I do think that suffering is an opportunity for us to see uh kind of what we're made of in areas that we need to grow in areas we need to let go areas that we need uh, our buddies to rally around us and and say look in this particular area of my life I need you you to help me in my unbelief I need the Lord to help me in my unbelief but I also need my people to help me in my unbelief because I am not feeling strong right now and again another beautiful um truth in scripture is in our weakness he is he, he is strong and so I think that that's important thing to roll through our mind when we're going through things that are difficult. You do not have to do things on your own. And um, that is a theme throughout scripture is God is with us in our in our good times and in our hard times and in our refining times as we go through difficult and dark days. Um, you're never alone. Multiply chapter 10, final chapter is um, in my notes, I just wrote, let's go, let's do this. And so we're going to believe chapter one through nine. We're going to learn these things really, really well. We're going to hold on to them as non-negotiables. And then we go tell people about Jesus Christ. And I think that this, uh, we're disciples that are going to go out and make disciples. And and we uh, talked about how last words were very important. Um, I remember the last words of, of what my granddad said to me when I flew to Canadian Texas to say goodbye to him. And I will never forget that interaction and those last words that we shared. And um, it just touched my heart so much. And I knew he meant him. I knew he thought about him. And I knew he intended to say every single thing to me that he said. And the same is true with Jesus. Like he knew the day he was coming into this, his world and he knew the day he was leaving and there was intention behind his words. And, and to paraphrase what he says is let's go. I'm going to be with you. I'm never going to leave you, but it's time for you to go tell the world about me. And, um, and I think the beautiful thing about the last couple of weeks that we've been able to spend with you, um, of course, we are not perfect teachers by any stretch of the imagination, um, but I do think that we've had the opportunity to encourage you, to point you to areas in the Christian faith that are non-negotiables. And we pray that that we've we've done just that. We pray that we've encouraged you and we've given you a roadmap to be able to, in your quiet time with the Lord, um, We've given you an opportunity to study for yourself and see these things for yourself. So you can be a disciple that goes out and makes disciples and glorifies the Lord in your life, no matter what your vocation is, um, no matter where you are on the map. Uh, this is our responsibility and not our responsibility. I think that's not the fun part of multiply. It's it's, so fun. Is it looks, it can look lots of different ways for based on your personality, based on where you are in life, yes. based on your circle. I mean, it, I just think that when he says go and multiply, it it looked different for all the disciples, just like it looks different for all of us. Some some gifts are different. And so I think that that's the fun part of how God is going to use us to multiply. Yeah. And I think that when we look for how God can do that, I think it makes life exciting and enjoyable. And that brings, I think there's there's joy and there's meaning with the word multiply. Like that's where God is saying, look, this is where you can find joy in this world is when people go and multiply. Yeah. And it's such a, that is so true. It's, it's such a beautiful journey. And I think so many years, so for so many years, I thought I felt 
sort of sidelined because I, um, you know, I, I wasn't like some of these famous teachers, you know what I mean? Like, and I felt like, well, that they, they can go and multiply. They can go and multiply. Christine Kane has a really cool Australian accent and she talks really fast and she can go and multiply. And Joyce Meyer, I remember being a young, young girl and listening to her and I would laugh because she's super dry sense of humor and really funny. And I'm like, she could go and multiply. And Beth Moore is like a walking Bible. She can go and multiply. And Jenny Allen is is kind of newer on the scene, not and and she's incredible at what she does. And she can go and multiply. And all of these people, I was like, I'll just point. I'll point all of my sphere of influence to those people. And yes, I still do. No doubt about it. I mean, there's, there's amazing women, teachers and leaders that I'm like, Hey, listen to this podcast or Hey, read this book. There's nothing wrong with that. But over the last, I would say 10 years, God's spoken to, to my heart and said, no, Leslie, I, I want you to go and multiply with your personality and in your relationships and the gifts I've given you. I want, I want you to, to work for me as well. And I think that um, it's been so fun. And now I'm at peace with the fact that I'm not as good as te- a teacher as they are. <laughs> I just do it my own way. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to say? No. <laughs> oh, this has been a lot of fun. All right. Good night. We'll see you guys soon. Or here. How do you say it? I mean, we can see we're recording a video. What? So do you say see you soon or just nothing? It's like the Chandler Bing thing, like I'll call you later. I really don't know how to end these podcasts. Yeah. Hmm. Just see you later. Just see you later. All right. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Table 40. You can find our podcast everywhere podcasts are found and at thesportspectrum.com. And if you're looking for a great resource, check out the Sports Spectrum magazine and order your copy today. The magazine has wonderful stories on sports and faith, and it's a perfect gift for kids and a sports fan who loves Jesus. Subscribe today to SportsSpectrum.com. And thanks again for checking out our show, and we will see you next time here on Table 40. 